0: The last couple of months, we've been on a series entitled I'm All Right. We've been studying the book of Romans, and today we are finally, somebody say finally. Finally. We are finally ending this series from the book of Romans. Uh, This book in particular has been one that has blessed us. It's really teaching us some things because it's really practical. It was a letter that was inspired unto a man named the Apostle Paul. And it was written to a people that were kind of a mixed bunch. It was a mis- a mixed bag of people. They came from all different types of cultures and backgrounds and experiences. And they all made up what came to be known as the church of God, of t- t- the church of Christ that was in Rome. The thing about it is that they faced many challenges. And a lot of these challenges all stemmed from uh, this idea uh, uh, that some were trying to uh, push upon everybody else to follow the Old Testament laws. Now, I don't have time to get into that, but this created a lot of problems. It created a lot of problems because Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to relate to God according to the law. He wanted us to have a personal relationship with him. And what I love about this uh, particular letter that we've been studying is that it spoke to people that were... uh, coming from different uh, experiences, but also challenges that were happening. And God still had a plan for them. Listen, through our study, we've seen that uh, there were many divisions among them, that there was outright discrimination, there was judgmental attitudes, there were self-righteous people. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you think that in light of that, with all these issues, that these people, that this church was in bad shape, that it was in bad shape before God, And they were in bad shape as it pertains to their witness to the world concerning Jesus Christ. But I got good news for you. They weren't. And I'm going to tell you that today I want you to lean in with me into God's word. I want you to get up close and personal with God. And hear the truth in God's word. Not my opinion, but the truth. Because there is a powerful revelation that is going to be revealed to us through his word today. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, you're doing better than you think. Tell somebody, look at somebody you don't know. Someone you didn't come up and tell them, you're doing better than you think. Tell somebody else, you're doing better than you think. Now listen, I want to encourage you to look past what you see in yourself because for some of us, we think we're not doing all right at all. We think we're pretty messed up. We think that we're really far off. And I want you to consider Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. It starts off by saying, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn, and avoid them. Watch this. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the simple. Now listen to this. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. In other words, focus on what's good. Re- reject, don't, don't stay stuck on what's, what's evil. Verse 20 says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Somebody needs to hear that. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. Now look, there is no denying that there were issues that existed among the people that were in the church of Rome. But deep within them was something so amazing at work that kept them going, that kept them growing, that kept them flowing with the work that God was doing among them. And I want to point out to you what that was. In verse 19, I want you to notice what Paul says. He says, for your obedience has become Known to all. Now, let's just stop right there. What? What? You mean, wait. The church, this church where there was great divisions... You mean this church where there was great controversy and offense, where people were outright, uh, uh, some people were outright pointing people in the wrong direction? You mean this church where there was a religious, a religiosity among them to such an extent that some people walked away from the church? You mean that church, Paul is stating about that church, that there was an obedience among them that made their faith and Christ known to all that church you know Paul's words in verse 19 give the appearance that this church these people were the cream of the crop that they were they they were above the rest of the churches among them and and all around It, it gives the implication it gives the idea that these people were there was something special happening in them and the truth is that there was Because despite their challenges, there was a deep love for God that was evidenced by their willingness to submit to the Lord. There was something at work in them that drew them not just to submit to the Lord, but to submit to his word and to submit to one another. And and so you see, while uh, while they had challenges, the word obedience there in verse 19 is very important to note. Because it's not simply talking about uh, the act of being compliant, of just following rules. It's actually speaking of one who acts out of a heart that yields for the benefit of another. There was a genuine love in these people. Can I tell you that I know that I'm speaking to a people that, yeah, there may be some challenges among us. Right? We may not have it all together but let me tell you, thank God for a people that love the Lord, such as you, that are yielded to the Lord. Let me tell you, there is still a work of God among us in your life, so long as that's your heart attitude towards the Lord. And so uh, the church in Rome had issues. You know why? Because it had people. Welcome to the club. We're in good company, right? But notice that Uh, even, and notice this, that in verse 17, Paul points out that there were those among them who were still causing divisions. There were those among them who were still kind of, you know, like really creating some issues. And he says, listen, distance yourself from them, right? Avoid that. But at the end of the day, God was still working among these people. God is still working in your life. Isn't that good news? And so as Paul concludes his letter to them in in chapter 16, he affirms them and he reminds us of why these people were better off than you think. There was a power that that undergirded them and undergirds us individually and it empowers us corporately as his church. And it's found in verse 20 of Paul's words. I'm not going to read it, but Paul alludes to the grace of God upon them. He prays that the grace of God will continually be upon you. And let me tell you why that's important. Because the grace of God is what keeps us all right when everything else appears to still be going wrong. The grace of God. See, as long as you remain submitted to Christ, your worst day is still your best day. Because you have God's grace, going to tell somebody God's grace is upon you. Going to tell somebody else God favors you. Listen, you cannot miss what God is doing among us. You cannot miss what God is doing in your life. Now, the word grace is the Greek word charis, and it literally speaks of that which affords us joy. It provides us pleasure. It produces delight. It brings about goodwill. It, it it puts upon us loving kindness and favor. It is a gift that bountifully empowers us to succeed and bear witness to what God is doing on our lives. And I don't know if you know this, but God's grace is upon you. God's grace is is towards you. As a matter of fact, the grace of God has been given unto all men. But the problem is some of us don't know that. Reminds me of a story I once came across about a woman who, who grew up illiterate. She never learned how to read. She didn't know how to write. But she found her and she was raising eight children, and then she, she, she kind of really had an opportunity that opened up to her. She ended up working for a man who was very wealthy, and she became his house manager. And she did that for many years as she was able to provide for her children. Uh, It was just her and her eight children. But then eventually the day came where her super, her her boss, he passed away. This man passed away. And when he passed away, things kind of went on a decline. Things kind of went sour. It got so bad that her children all just kind of moved out. You know, they left. All types of stuff happened. And here she is many years later bedridden. She's, she's, she has no one except a neighbor who would come by daily and knock on her door and he would walk in and he would just kind of sit with her for a couple hours and talk to her and encourage her and listen to her stories. And one day in particular, this, this, this gentleman, this uh, kindly neighbor who, who would sit next to her and, and listen to her was talking to her and he noticed, uh, he took special interest in a frame that was above her bed. And in this frame, there was this dilapidated, this frayed, this yellowish old paper, and it had some writing on it. And as he was speaking to her, he asked her, "What's, what's with the paper in the frame? You know, he noticed it before, but he never really paid attention. And she says, oh, that's a piece of paper that my old boss gave me. He was such a kind gentleman. He was so good to me that I just kept it near and dear. So I put it in a frame and I put it over my bed. And that even piqued his interest more. And so he leans in and he begins to read this piece of paper. And here's what he realizes, that it was this gentleman's last will and testament and he left, her, her, he left this woman his entire inheritance. Here's the thing, she didn't know it. And I'll tell you why I share that story with you. Because in the same way like this woman, the grace of God has been bestowed upon us as our inheritance. But there are some, even amongst the body of Christ, that are spiritually illiterate. And we live negligent of the power of God's grace upon our lives. See, God's grace upon you isn't just a dose of grace. It's not just when you behave, it's not just when you're in your highs, but it's also in the midst of your lows. It's not when things look good, but it's also when things look bad. Let me prove that to you. John 1:16 says this, "For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace." Now if you read the book of John chapter 1, you'll see that it says that Jesus came full of grace. And that from that fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Now, I want you to consider what the scripture is actually saying here. It's saying that there's a grace that has been extended to us already. And then there's another dose, another measure, a greater portion of grace upon that. So you see, you don't just have God's grace upon you. I know what you need, but God says, let me give you some more. See, you don't just have favor, you have favor upon favor. You don't just have joy, you have joy upon joy. You don't just have blessing, you have blessing upon blessing. You don't just have peace, you have peace upon peace. You don't just have healing, you have healing upon healing. You don't just have God's love, you have God's love and then you have more of his love. And so despite the issues among the church in Rome, God's grace overflowed, overtook, outweighed their problems. In spite of the challenges they faced, there was a greater work of God's grace at work among them. Romans 16 gives us indication of that. We're not going to read it, but I'll just point it out to you, some of the people that were in this church. In Romans 16, in verse 1, Paul uh, alludes to a woman named Phoebe. And this woman is a woman he had sent who was renowned who was renowned as a helper. She was a helper. In verse 3, he alludes to Priscilla and Aquila. This was a couple, a husband and wife. And he he says that they were co-workers who took risks for the sake of all the churches in the Gentile lands. In verse 6, he refers to Mary, who he says worked very hard for the benefit of all. In verse 7, he speaks of Andronicus and Junia. Paul called them outstanding among all the apostles. In other words, these were people that shined above and beyond the very apostles upon all. In verse 10, he refers to Apelles. And this is a person who was tried and proven. But they were tried and proven to be true And faithful. And in verse thirteen, he refers to the mother of a man named Rufus, who had become a mother figure unto Paul. The reason why the church in Rome was better off than it appeared is because it was full of people that abounded with the grace of God and extended that grace to one another. I know this for a fact. That there's an there are few Andronicuses here. There are a few Apelles here. There's a Phoebe or two. There are men and women that are assuming the role of mother and father and loving and nurturing and building the body. There are people here that are hard workers, that are co-workers. There are people that are taking risks. There are people that are true and faithful. There are many of you that are outstanding, and you are serving the body. You are loving the Lord. The grace of God is abounding in you and through you for the benefit of all. See, there's a power to God's grace upon you. And you have to understand how this works. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 says this, For it is by grace, that word charis there again, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Get this. Listen to this. Not by works so that no one can boast. Listen to what God has gifted each and every person. Listen to what you and I carry, grace. It's a gift. I know for some of us, we think that the reason why we've gotten this far in life is because, man, you know, I've I've just, you don't know what I've had to go through to get here. No, you don't know what God brought you through to get here. You are failing to realize the goodness of God, the grace of God upon your life. In verse 10, he says, for we are God's handiwork. In other words, God's the one working, moving, shaping, creating, transforming. He says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Watch this. To do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. So there's some things that you and I should know About the grace of God that is upon us. And it's this. God's grace saves. His grace is the one that brings you through, that pulls you out, that lifts you up. God's grace is a gift. Get this. A gift is only a gift if all you do is receive it. The moment you try to pay for it, it ceases to be a gift. It's something that you are attempting to earn. And I'm I'm sure I've used this example sometimes, but I'm going to tell on some of you Hispanics. Right? Some of you Hispanics, here's what you do. You get a gift, and you go, oh, my God, God bless you. I have one for you, too. I left it at home. No, you didn't. Stop lying. No, you didn't. You're just wrestling with the idea, with the fact that you don't know how to accept a gift. You don't know how to accept a gift. And that's what we do oftentimes when it comes to this gift of God's grace. We go to church. We pray more. We do more. we, we, We give more. We act more because somehow we believe that that gives us the ability. It positions us to receive God's grace. No, 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 no. You got it all twisted. You're trying to earn this from God. We can't. All we can do is receive it. Go ahead and tell somebody, receive God's grace. Here's what else we see. God's grace leads you into good works. Into good works. Get this. Each and every one of us, all humanity, whether you believe in Christ or not, you must understand this. God created you for the purpose of good works. There's a good thing that's to come from your life. There's a good fruit. There's a good outcome to be had through your life. But here's the key. God is leading you according to his grace. And if you find yourself frustrated in life, find yourself feeling like, man, how come I never get a break? Maybe it's because you have yourself rejected that God wants to do something in your life. And you're not allowing him. See, the path is set for you. There are good works ahead of you. And where there's good works, guess what? There's also good provision. There's also good anointing. There's also good people. There's also good opportunities ahead of each and every one of us. God has prepared a good work for us by his grace and so the scripture provides us a great example of what God's grace looks upon in our lives through the life of a man named Joseph. We're not going to read a story. Uh, there's too much to it. So I'm just going to kind of quickly just allude to some portions of it. But Joseph was the youngest among all his siblings until his younger brother came along, Benjamin. And though he lived under the same household as his brothers, he was his father's favorite. He was his favorite. And his brother, his brothers, they knew this. They knew this. And they only grew to resent him further when one day his father gave him a coat, a distinguished coat of many colors. It was a robe, a coat that, it, I mean, there were so many colors to it that I imagine that it drew people's eyes that wherever they saw Joseph, they said, yep, that's Jacob's son. And that's the one he loves. And so these brothers, they hated him for it. And to add injury to insult, there came the day where Joseph had a few dreams that he felt he just had to share with his brothers. This guy had not one, but two different dreams, and both times he shared them with his brothers. And in these dreams, here's what God showed him, that he would be at the head and and his brothers would bow to him, and then the day would come where his mother and his father and his brothers will all bow to him. Now, I want you to put yourself in the position of his brothers and his mother and his his father. And your son comes to you, and this guy Joseph says, hey, I had a great dream, a revelation from God. You're all going to serve me. (laughs) Probably not a good idea to share that, right? Probably not, not a good idea. Well, Joseph felt compelled to share it. See, he knew he was destined for greatness, and his brothers hated it even more so because of it. And so the scripture reveals that they plotted his demise. Their plan started with outright murdering him. Then by the grace of God, one of his brothers goes, man, let's not do that. Let's just throw him in a hole. Let's leave him in the hole. And so they throw him in a hole. Now this guy's in a pit. And then another brother says, hey, you know what? We really shouldn't kill him. But we shouldn't leave him there either. Let's let's sell him to these slave traders that are passing by. And so despite his apparent demise, right, he went from favored to being the subject of a murder plot to eventually being sold into slavery. Despite this demise, this downward spiral, the scripture reveals that Joseph consistently found himself rising from the direst situations. Situations such as betrayal, slavery, uh, outright lies, and plotting and imprisonment. And he found himself at a place where he ascended to the highest platform in the entire known world, next only to Pharaoh. Now, Joseph's story is one that some might attribute to luck, to coincidence. Oh, you know, you're just lucky. You just, you know, you just got the luck of the draw. But the scriptures in Genesis 39, 21 tell us differently. Listen to what they say. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Tell somebody, the Lord is with you. Tell somebody else, the Lord is with you. Listen, this is the truth. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. That's the Hebrew word chesed. That word chesed is the equivalent of grace, of caps in the new testament so watch this the the lord was with joseph and showed him steadfast love grace and gave him favor that word that word in the in the hebrew is the word hen, and here's what it means also it also means grace so get this this guy's got a double portion of grace watch this in the sight of the keeper of the prison he is a he, he's, he's deemed a criminal, he's locked away in prison, and the jailkeeper looks upon him and goes, "Man, I can't help but bless you. I can't help but favor you. I can't help but raise you in position. Some of you might feel like you're in a pit. Some of you might feel like you're behind some bars. Like things just aren't changing. Maybe you've been there. Maybe at some point you will find yourself feeling this way, perceiving life according to the circumstances around you. Well, I got good news for you. The truth is that the same God that was with Joseph is with you. Yes. That same God is with you. See, his, le- his steadfast love is toward you. His favor is upon you, and his favor is about to kick some doors down to your circumstances and take you from a pit to your palace. Anybody in the house that believes God favors them? That's the God that we serve. But to see this come to pass, there's some things that you and I must be aware of. And I just want to give you four keys to walking in God's grace. I want to be very quick about this. The first one I want to share with you is that you must accept what you have been graced with. I'm going to say that again. You must accept what you have been graced with. Joseph's robe of many colors identified him as his father's favorite. And as we saw, his brothers hated him for it. But Joseph's haters could not stop the favor upon him. Somebody needs to hear that. See, they plotted to kill him. They tried to put him down. They attempted to get rid of him. They tried to stop his dream. But what they didn't realize was that their father's favor upon Joseph was only a mirror image. It was a shadow of the greater favor that Joseph had in the, father, in, in the eyes of God the Father. Listen closely. God favors you and i'm gonna make a statement that for some of you it might trouble you but i'm gonna qualify it with scripture like joseph you are also your father's favorite and i'm not talking about your earthly father i'm talking about god the father you might say well how is that possible And to you, I submit, it's because you don't understand your makeup. That's why you're struggling with it. Let me give you scripture for that. Psalm 139, verses 11 through 14 says this. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even in the darkness, even even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For the darkness is as light to you. Watch this. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Somebody shout this with me. I know that full well. You know, it's interesting, but I was uh, I was texting... Uh, uh, good friend of mine, you, you guys know Marcus. He was here recently, and you know his birthday uh, just just came recently, and and we decided that we wanted to do something special for him. So a while back, somebody had bought me a pair of custom-made shoes, like literally custom-made by hand. And it just so happens that I'm wearing them. I didn't plan this. I just thought about this this morning, right? But they're custom-made. Like they literally cut the leather, and you know they. They, they sew it by hand and all that in, in another country. And all, and so I wanted to buy him a pair of, we wanted to buy him a pair of shoes, me and Pastor Nick. So we bought him a pair of shoes, and he, he said to me, man, you know, I've never had a custom pair of shoes. And when you order these, they're very precise with the details. So it's really a unique, authentic work. Now, I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because when the scripture says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you know what it's actually saying? It's literally saying that God took intricate, precise, accurate, uh, uh, intentional. He did an intentional work where he created you in such a way that there is only one you. You might have a twin, but guess what? There is only one you. And so because you are an original work of God... You are God's favorite because there's only one you in this world. And I'm telling you that God loves you to that extent that he fashioned you. And he said, look at my handiwork. Look at my masterpiece. Somebody say it with me. I'm God's favorite. Man, I pray you believe that. The next point I want to leave you with here, but see, you got to wear that. You just need, you got to wear that. Like, hold your head up and understand, I am God's favorite. There's no pride in that. Listen, if anything, you are bringing glory to the Father. You're saying, God, I am what you say I am. I can do what you say I can do. And I am called to what you've called me to. Wear your crown well. The next point I want to leave you with here is that God is greater than your greatest failure. Failure. God is greater than your greatest failure. Now, although Joseph believed God and he took hold of the revelation that he was destined for greatness, he made a mess of it. Listen, he wasn't supposed to share it with his brothers. He wasn't supposed to share it with his his parents. He wasn't. See, Joseph got ahead of God and it blew up in his face. I mean, think about it. You go tell... Your 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 family when you get home say hey God gave me a dream, and all of you are gonna bow down to me. Yeah, see how that works? Not gonna work, right? Even if God showed you that. But listen to Romans chapter five verses twenty and twenty-one because some of us we get hung up on our failures and we lose sight of God's grace. Romans five, starting at verse twenty, I'm reading from the Passion Translation says so then the law was introduced into God's plan. To bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. So the law, the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, was for one purpose. To reveal to us that we were jacked up. That we couldn't keep this law. That nothing we could do makes us right with God of ourselves. And yet, whenever sin increased, there was more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. There was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. Verse 21, and just as sin reigned through death, so also this sin conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness imparting eternal life through Jesus our Lord and Messiah. So I want to just share a thought with you about our mess ups. Your mess up, your greatest mess up provides you the opportunity for your greatest comeback. Now, I'm not saying to you take this as a license and go, man, I'm going to really mess up so I could just enjoy God's grace all the more. No, 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 no. You will bite the bullet of those consequences. But what I want you to see is this. Your failures can never be as big as God's faithfulness. You just can't outrun God. You can't outdo God. You can't. Your failures are not a deterrent for God's faithfulness. His grace, now what's interesting is that when the the scripture talks about God's grace, and we're going to see a scripture on this in a second, it literally refers to God's grace and it says that it super abounds. It doesn't just abound towards us. The Greek says that it super abounds. It overpays. It's like you going to buy a car and saying, I'll pay double. Now, none of you would do that. You wouldn't. But I want you to see that no matter how expensive your failures are, God overpaid to make up the difference. Isn't that good? Don't we serve a good God? And so the next point I want to leave you with is that grace is the only thing that is ever enough. Grace is the only thing that is ever enough. When Joseph had nothing, nothing he could offer God, Nothing he could do for God. When Joseph was in a pit, when Joseph was, in a sense, in a grave left for dead by his family, when everyone had betrayed him, when everybody had discredited him, when nobody was interested in him and he was all alone in a cell, left for dead, when he had nothing, he had everything. I'm going to tell you why. Because God was still with him. Still with him. God is still with you. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, but he said to me, speaking of God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, i got to give you some context for this just just so that we rightly understand this. In this verse, Paul is uh, 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 addressing uh, the power of God's grace at work in him. And there are those that wrongly suggest that Paul suffered some sort of sickness in his body that the Lord was allowing in order to keep him humble. But if you just let Scripture interpret Scripture... What do you do with the scriptures where it says that by the stripes of Christ we have been healed? What do you do with scriptures in 3 John 2 where it tells us that God's will is that we prosper in all things and be in health? So it can we cannot conclude that God's will was that Paul have some sickness, some physical malady that wasn't what God was doing. But if you just go back to uh, chapter 11 in 2 Corinthians What you'll find is that Paul boasts, and he boasts about all the things that he had gone through. He talks about being shipwrecked, about being hungry. He says, I dare not even classify myself among these super apostles. And what he was saying was, look, you hold these men in such high regard. I don't even dare put myself in that class. He says, I've been through all these troubles And then he goes on to say uh, earlier on in Romans 12 that there was a, a, a thorn in his flesh that was given to him, and he says this clearly, by Satan. And so when he's talking about this thorn, it's not a sickness. You know what he's talking about? If you just read it in context and let Scripture interpret Scripture, Paul is really talking about the resistance that he received from the Jewish people From the Gentiles, wherever Paul went in his life, if you study it, he was constantly facing resistance. There were people that were like a thorn in his side, resisting, fighting the gospel. And so when Paul, in this verse, what we're reading is that Paul says that he went to God and he says, God, take this away from me. And God says, Paul, you have enough. You have my grace to bring you through. And, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in challenges in life. And we're, we're, we're praying and we're saying, oh, God, oh, God, please help me. Well, what about his grace that is upon your life? Oh, God, please just take them away. Well, what about his grace upon your life? Listen, if God were to remove these people from your life, and I'm not saying that he wouldn't, But if sometimes there are people, there are circumstances in our lives, and the reason maybe why we're not being removed is because somebody's got to be a light. Somebody's got to be an example. Somebody's got to bring truth. Somebody's got to show up so Jesus can work. Hey, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you've been trying attain something else, an outcome, a possession, a circumstance, a change. And what you're neglecting is this, that God's grace that is upon you is sufficient for you. You don't need something more. You don't need more people. You don't need more possessions. You don't need more accumulation of things. All you need is all you already have, God's grace. Listen, like Joseph and Paul, we can be faced with limitations. But that does not change the fact that we have a limitless God whose grace is more than enough to fill every gap in our lives. Amen. I want to leave you with one last point here as we close. And it's this. It's that grace, God's grace, is your guarantee that God's goodness awaits you in your tomorrows. I'm going to say that again. Grace is your guarantee that God's goodness awaits you in your tomorrows. Now, I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because for some of us, we're anxious about tomorrow. We're worrying about tomorrow. We're fighting today to somehow get to tomorrow. We're on this... Hamster wheel, running this rat race, striving and struggling, conniving to, to get to tomorrow. And what we fail to realize is that God is the God of our yesterdays, our todays, and our tomorrows. Listen, in Joseph's latter days, they became his best days. You see, God brought everything full circle. I encourage you, go study his life. It starts in Genesis 37. Check it out for yourself. But what you'll see is that God brought everything full circle and restored to him his family. And he opened the door through Joseph so that Israel could expand and be established as a nation. And the scripture records that as Joseph found himself face to face with his brothers at the point of their restoration... Listen to the words of Joseph, what he declared in Genesis 45, verse 5. He says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Listen to what he says. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Get this. God was already in his tomorrow waiting with open arms and saying, I got a bigger plan than the one you see. My friends, let me encourage your faith with this. Let's come to a close. Let's stand. But I want you to take a moment just to appreciate, just to revel, just to meditate on the fact that the reason why you're standing today is because when you were in your yesterdays, God was already here And he already had a plan. And he said, I know you're going through some stuff. I know you're still making some bad choices. I know you don't see the bigger picture. But I am a God who is faithful. And I am faithfully waiting for you in tomorrows. And my plan is good. So trust me. Look forward with hope. Rejoice in today. Stand in faith. Because my grace is upon you. It is sufficient for you. And I favor you in all ways. Somebody give God some praise today man. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that He spoke to you powerfully, and that He met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, Uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.